And welcome to Breaking the Panel way after dark. It's getting later and later as we talk, but we've had some great topics tonight. This is 218 Volume 4. Man, if you missed the other three parts, go and download them. Get them done. Uh, they're all out on your podcatchers, uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere that audio is, we're there. So go and download it because uh, this has been a great night tonight. And to put the icing on the proverbial cake, proverbial, proverbial, perverted cake, cake. Pervert cake. perverted cake, yeah, the perverted cake. <laughs> I'm Charles. That's Phil. This is Chris. And Klotz is going to do the pervert cake. What do you got, Klotz? <laughs> so lately, I've been seeing uh, this post go around social media where people were pointing out that it's been just over a year since the last season of Game of Thrones came out. And it really got me thinking, and they're, basically they're talking about the fact that never in popular culture history has something been such a ubiquitous presence in pop culture and then just immediately fell out of the zeitgeist, like just here and then instantly by the end of the season, just gone. And uh, I don't know if that's accurate or not. But it is true that, like, Game of Thrones was the most popular television show of all time. And then by the end of that final season, just barely anybody could talk about it for much longer than a week or two after that final episode. But similarly, we saw a kind of similar trajectory to Star Wars where uh we got episode nine so we got the conclusion of the skywalker saga and you know obviously a lot of chatter back in december when the film dropped but then after a couple weeks all of a sudden was quiet on the home front for the most part and so i wanted to ask you guys are there other things that you've been really invested in like big part of your life, something you were super excited about whenever it had a new update, whether it be a video game, a, a book series, a television show, movies, any of that kind of stuff that eventually let you down. And how would you l- have liked to see it done wow. differently? I don't want to spend this segment just dumping on stuff that is, is bad or largely considered to be bad, but how would you have pivoted? How would you have yeah. saved that thing that you loved and, and kept it going or at least seen it through to the end? Uh, but I said, wow, because you're not even done setting it up. And the chat room is like, blam, blam, blam. They were, <laughs> they were throwing stuff out fast on this one. Well, you kind of touched on mine, but let me let me take you back. It's December 19th, 7 (laughs) a.m. And I wake up happy as a clam. I, you know, I'm getting ready for work. It's cold outside. So I put my Star Wars t-shirt on and I I take a shower listening to the soundtrack. And, and I, I, this is my Star Wars day, right? And I, I'm wearing my Ewok scarf because it's cold outside and the entire day at work, all eight hours, I listened to nothing but John Williams. And then I got to the theater and I was like, this is dope. I like the last two movies. Things have been going great. Today was pretty rad. The dead has risen. And I said, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and through the crawl, I knew that I was not going to have a good time. And... Uh, it it really hurt me and and I was kind of I was kind of perplexed about it to be honest with you because I had a very different Star Wars experience than a lot of people did 
Um, I enjoyed Force Awakens a lot. I enjoyed the uh, the the Last of the Jedi. You know, I thought that was a good film. So I I was all in for like total completion, and I was really let down with what I got with the Rise of Skywalker. And what even messed me up a little bit more is that all my friends or people I went with was like, they really saved the series with that last movie. And I was just like, am I Star Warsing wrong? I don't You're know right. what's wrong with me. Do you smell toast right now? Like, <laughs> I, I don't feel comfortable in my own. Well, I never feel comfortable in my own skin, but I don't feel comfortable <laughs> around me right now that I seem to be the only person who was really let down when I was the only one in my group that was like full hog, like, Oh man, everything's been great except for rogue one. Fuck that fucking robot. But here we are. This is great. And, and they really messed with me for a while. And I'm still not, I've still not gotten over the disappointment that I had personally from this film. And that doesn't take away if you had a good time watching the 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 rise of skywalker i'm i'm envious of you right if you had a good time there's nothing that my feelings are going to 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 admit to take that away from you but i was shattered and i Mm -hmm. was depressed about it for a very long time because everyone else was having such a good time and i was like i i didn't get that experience but didn't didn't it subvert your expectations? <laughs> this is such a fucking minefield. <laughs> I don't want to rehash the last six no. years of podcasts. <laughs> no, it didn't. Well, then you were too dumb to get the subversion, Phil. All right. That... Yeah, sure. Calm Maybe down, Martha. No, no, there was no, 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 this is the problem. This is the problem. Uh, is it? I mean, yes. When, when yes. you go into a movie looking to have a fun time and then uh, you, you're saying you had expectations. Can I finish? You dumb no, motherfucker. You, no, you can't. OK, great. I won't. <laughs> go ahead. Phil. He's he's not mad. He's just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um so y'all have to say borderlands 3 oh yeah that's another one that i have on my list (laughs) yeah yeah i was super stoked super hyped as was phil and it just didn't hit like the first two games um guns don't matter which was the whole game to me and well at least in the original playthrough but the biggest thing you know how to fix that paul you're asking is well one the issue that phil and i had that killed the game was it was so buggy everything would break like we'd mm-hmm. it literally would crash this game we'd have to wait five minutes to finally crash out reload it it has a good gaming rig and everything uh but yeah the the fact for me even going back and playing it solo what I loved about the first couple of games, the writing was great, the humor is great. All that seems a little bit lesser than in this time. And in the first playthrough, the guns don't matter. According to Dennis, who's played through it, beat it, and done all the mayhem levels, they absolutely matter. Um, but I just remember in the first game, you'd find this red chest, and oh my god, I finally found a red chest. Now I get a good gun, I'm going to slaughter everybody. In the second game, you could level up, find some guns, but you'd really get the golden keys, right? Go to the golden mm-hmm. chest. 
bam, now I got a slaughter machine. I'm going to go out and have fun. This one, it was eh, whatever. And I felt like they made Borderlands 3 for streamers specifically. Like, go burn through the play, play it, burn through the story real quick. Now, here's all this extra level of chaos and mayhem and fault hunting and have fun. And that's where they focus. So, my thing was like, don't make the story if you're not going to actually make it to be played. That's what it felt like. They didn't make it to be played for me, but that that's my no. And and to be honest with you, <clears throat> a lot of this topic revolves around video games for me. You know, I I got really hurt with uh, No Man's Sky. Mm. Really hurt with No Man's Sky, and they fixed it. So I'm told, but I'm never going back to it because I was hurt so bad. The the I think the earliest. <clears throat> The earliest that I can remember was being sold on a Assassin's Creed one. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed one was like, Hey, you can do this, do that. You got living history, but there's science. Everything's weird. Everything's cool. Everything's weird. And then I got into it and I was like, I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's the most repetitive game that is most, it's not satisfying at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm not enjoying this and I haven't enjoyed it so much that, you know, that was, that was 15 years ago mm-hmm. and I still haven't touched on Assassin's Creed since. And it could have been fixed just by, you know, a little bit, a little bit of assassinating people differently or bringing in different mechanics to, you know, yeah. not just stealth in, make your kill stealth out new targets, stealth in, uh, make your kill stealth out. You know, I was hoping that there was a little bit more nuance than that. And, uh, there wasn't. Yeah. You know, to that, to that point, I've played some of the newer Assassin's Creed games. Like I've played Odyssey, not Odyssey. I'm sorry. Origins. I really liked Origins for a while. I I played probably a good 20 hours until I started running into what you're talking about. Like as, as much as the, the line has matured from game to game and they've added a lot more stuff to it and a lot more things to do. Ultimately, eventually you run into this wall of just like, well, I'm still just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. I'm just going to a new part of the map, looking for all the same things on the map to do the same things over and over again. And so it does the, the, the joy of the fantasy wears off eventually, you know, the, the, the fun of the era that you're in and stuff. And I loved the era for origins cause it's uh, Egypt. It's Egypt in the time of Rome starting to influence Egypt and, and, you know, kind of like Egypt is still, ruling itself but rome is really meddling and you know it's right before they're going to take over so it's this whole it's a great era and it's got a lot of great you know slices of that history pie in there but it wasn't enough to hold me once i got to a certain point so i totally get where you're coming from yeah i don't like how the harry potter series ended Mm mm-hmm I thought that was, you know, we had we had so many books of a, a, a nice ramp up. And even with the battle happening outside of Hogwarts, that last battle between Harry and Voldemort was very unimpactful. Yep. Right? We we built these these two up so well, right? This this Pepsi Coke, you know, uh oil and and water uh difference between the two of them. 
and that final scene between them fell so flat for me that you know they they edged me on it and when it finally you know unfolded as i read it i was just like <sighs> but i mean but wasn't the i guess if you're looking at it from the point of harry versus voldemort then are you looking at it incorrect it, are you looking at it incorrectly like if you look at it as the voldemort versus himself because that's what in essence that's what it is is he was the reason that he was defeated sure 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 so, but i i just i i i feel like she wrote herself into a corner and couldn't find the perfect way to end it because I just, when I was done reading it and I've listened to it recently and I still felt that disappointment where there could have been different, it could have been ended differently uh-huh. and I'm still not happy about it. Huh. And, well, and you know, Harry, fucking Harry is not even my close to being my favorite character. Like Neville, Neville's end story is perfect in that, in that series. Even even the way that Ron and 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 um, fucking Hermione end up in that series is is it it ends perfectly. But the conflict that she's been building through these books, right? It ended on such a flat, bland note. It's not called Neville Longbottom and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's called yeah. the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, but I mean, I guess so. It's weird. That's crazy. That's weird. You and I are like at such odds on that because I don't. I don't necessarily think that it was a perfect ending. But like when you are this kid who is thrust in the limelight of this world that you didn't even know existed, so you had this pedigree before you went in, and then you discover this world, and everybody has all these high expectations of you, and you really find out that you are the pawn. You, you're just a piece to be moved by the machinations of somebody else who was truly to be feared, right, in this community. And then you end with a normal life. I mean, that's, I, I don't know that that's not poetic in a way. Well, no, you know, and, and no, I, I do know <laughs> that. But like, even during the, the scene where he accepts that, hey, I need to die to save the world. And uh-huh. he has the spirits of his loved ones around him, right? We're, we're talking late game we're talking like there there is not even 20 pages left in this book uh-huh. that scene is so much more powerful of Sirius around him and his mother and his father and everybody that he ever loved you know saying this is the way that it has to happen this is this is your destiny that is so much more powerful than the ending that we got for Harry Potter and I I I, I I don't take away if you enjoyed the way that Harry Potter ended. I, I'm happy for you, and and my feelings should never take away from that. But that scene as he's walking into the woods is so much more powerful for me that you know we were ramping up, and especially that as he's walking through to get to the fucking circle. So you just want more dead kids? Well, no, yeah. I'm, not look, I'm not looking for like a, a fucking Padawan slang party. Yeah. But, Why but, not? Yeah. But like, you, you give me, you give me so much, right? And you're ramping uh-huh. me up as he's walking to his own death, and he knows that I have to die for this war to end. 
and then the final fucking scene between him and Voldemort oh. just didn't live up to that fucking hype. Okay, I get you. It felt pretty anticlimactic. I haven't seen that film since it came out in theaters, but I remember just getting to the end of that film and being like, I've spent a lot of time and money on this franchise for that. Yeah. Like, it, it was, in, in some ways, it was, I don't know, with Star Wars, it was like, because it took place over my entire lifetime i wasn't as let down i don't think as i was by harry potter just being like ah man this started so strong and so here we are (laughs) you're not let down by something you spent 30 plus years on but seven years that got you that one got you no but what i mean by that is (laughs) you know the, the three different star wars trilogies are slices of their era you know like the filmmaking what could be done at the time you know, it's it felt different. The Harry Potter films were made back to back to back. Like, yeah, okay, that was seven years of just let's get through these. And for them to, I think the first Harry Potter movie is awesome. Like, I think that movie's amazing. You introduce these these children and the setting and the characters, and you get to fall in love with all of these different, just all these awesome characters in the world itself. Like, I didn't read the books. But I, I watched the films and I was like, the world is amazing. The world building, it, it, she did an awesome job with her wor- world building, even though she was stealing and borrowing from things here and there to kind of make it all come together. But by the end of the series, I was like, this has lost all of its heart and soul compared to where it began. And it just, it kind of, it felt lackluster to me. So I totally get where, where Phil's coming from here. For me... <laughs> I was trying to think of one, but yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so you know, obviously, Game of Thrones was a big disappointment, but that Chinese was... democracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Game of Thrones. Uh, quite frankly, the solution to that was just that Weiss and Benioff wanted to move on, and they got lazy, and they thought that they could phone it in for the last two seasons and get away with it, and they couldn't because the the final season is just so perplexing but even more troubling was the hobbit trilogy uh delphine called it out in chat a little while ago you had uh, peter jackson and his wife and I, they had one other writer i can't remember her name the three of them sat down for the lord of the rings trilogy and they meticulously combed through the source material and they did everything in their power to make those three films as complete and accurate to the books while also being an entertaining and compelling experience in the movie theater as humanly possible and i honestly think it's the greatest adaptation of all time just hands down like some a monumental monolith task that is just so awe-inspiring and mind-blowing to comprehend the scope of it and they did it most people unless they just straight up hate fantasy or for some reason have a bone to pick with lord of the rings would argue lord of the rings was great especially for the era it was made incredible achievement in filmmaking and then we fast forward about 10 years and you know guillermo del toro is supposed to do the hobbit film films it was originally going to be two films we're already talking about a short book like the hobbit compared to the three books in lord of the rings is so much shorter there's not as much source material and somehow it gets like the, the studio 
New Line Cinema is just like, we're going to drag it out into three films. We're going to pull all of this stuff from the appendices and, you know, the, 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 the wider, the expanded universe, if you will. And we're just going to fill it with this lifeless clutter. And we're going to completely like, we're going to fabricate an, a female elf character out of nowhere. We're going to, which I didn't hate at the time until after the fact I was like, she didn't add anything. This didn't, ah, there was no payoff. It was just this, they had done so well with the first trilogy. And then to just come along with this, we're playing into the hype of 3d at the time. So it was all filmed for 3d. We couldn't get our original filmmaker cause we couldn't make it work with him. So Peter Jackson had to step in last minute, kind of begrudgingly, like nobody's going to make these films. If I don't take the helm and do this out of obligation alone, I felt like he steps in, tries to make those films and they're just not good. The first one, the, the, you know, um, the unexpected journey is not, terrible the first half of it's actually really strong but then it just like towards you get when you get towards the end of that first film you're like oh what is what are we doing with azog what are we doing with all this stuff and by the end of it you're like oh what is going on here and then the other two were just increasingly disappointing shit shows it was heartbreaking Breaking the Panel is made possible by you and other listeners just as awesome as you are. If you want to support the show and get a little something in return, just go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel because we do appreciate the help. So what I can piece apart on really where this conversation has has led is book adaptations into movie adaptations, right? Mm-hmm. And that's there, there's a that it's a whole fucking category of people not happy about how their favorite book has been displayed on the on the big screen. I'm going to go a little little sideways and talk about Ready Player One. Ooh, go on. Re- Ready Player One is <laughs> I've I think I've read that other than Bukowski's fucking Ham on Rye. I've read that more than any other book, and I've listened to it multiple times on on audiobook. It's one of my favorite books of all time. I mean, by the the by the amount of time that I've spent listening to it and reading it. So this movie is coming out, and I know going into it that it is the impossible task. It's impossible. It's the impossible fucking task to get all the IPs to come together. Like we're talking a mil, a couple hundred million just for licensing. And I really enjoyed the movie. Did I enjoy the movie because it was good? It wasn't. Did I enjoy the movie because it was an adaptation of a book that I hold so dear to my heart? No, I don't. I enjoy Ready Player One, the film, because it is, in my eyes, a continuation of characters that I love so much going off on new adventures because it was so far from the book and it was pulling from IPs, you know, from the nineties, from the two thousands that, that I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't think that it's high cinema. No, of course not. But I also don't see it as a complete, you know, I, I don't see the two entities of the, of the novel and the movie anywhere close to each other. Mm-hmm. 
And that's kind of why I give that movie such a pass because I enjoy it. I enjoy watching and looking for Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy these characters. And I think the characters were, were casted very well for the movie. But I give it a pass for some reason. Even though I should have been very disappointed because it was nothing like the book that I, I hold so dear. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just another flip of the coin that we're talking about expectations and 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 realizations. What would we change? That I give it a pass for some reason because I did have fun. I did enjoy it, but I also went in knowing that I'm not getting my book that I love so much. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of thankful that I got you know a side quest with the characters that I love so much. So the, you know that says something though, like. Sometimes it's okay to take a popular book or comic book or something and deviate and, you know, do an adaptation that's inspired by the source material, but isn't just copying it note for note. I, we kind of talked about this a bit in the past off and on uh, walking dead. I walking dead has a lot of problems. That show is, is a, it's a mess. Be, for various reasons it had a lot of early budgetary and production issues and then later on it, it's a show that is always chasing its own tail trying to get people to care about it and losing them and just going back and forth but one of the things that i've always appreciated about the walking dead is if you were a co- fan of the comics and a fan of the show you got two different experiences they had the same through line they had the same you know core concept like you're following rick and carl they're the, they're central to the story and it's important, you know, like they're, they're easily the most important characters for a long time, but the other bit players come and go in different ways in both, you know, the, in the book versus the, uh, the show. And you, you, if you were the biggest fan of the comic book, you had a new experience week to week watching the show. It wasn't always good because you know production issues and and decisions that they were making but they were trying to tell a new story with the same cast of characters and i thought that was a a, quite an accomplishment because it kept it exciting for anybody who did know the source material and i think more people should try that i think it's okay to change some of the variables as long as you're still hitting the same notes but yeah it is really tough to to translate books to to film just in general, it's like yeah. you, you think about all of what you can fit into a tome, you know, and you're trying to get it out on the cellulose. It just doesn't. It's difficult. Well, it it's, is. And that's why Game of Thrones works so well, because you have nine, you know, uh, eight to ten hours to tell your story mm-hmm. per book, even though these are 36 hour books, you know, you have more than just. Uh, an hour 32 hours to tell your story yeah and i mean it's it's i think the difficult thing is when you're making these adaptations is is picking out the relevant the relevant points right Mm -hmm. because there's arguments for both we've already talked about the hobbit so more is not always better right yep so also let's talk about stephen king stephen king can spend essentially nine pages describing a fucking rocking chair Mm -hmm. right so that's nine it's and that's but that's that's nine pages that you can easily be shown in two seconds versus taking nine pages right so it's not always the case that less is better either it's i think it's 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 picking up the right the right beats the most important beats being true to those beats and following through with those beats 
for fans of the book. I mean, because again, if you're using the book as source material, there are plenty of people that like movie adaptations better than they like books. Some of them, they like them for simple reasons. Just the fact that I can watch a, a, you know, a a two hour movie versus spending a week reading a book. I'm just not a book reader or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's, there's different flavors. It's, it's, it's really hard to do these adaptations at times. Um, So I feel for them. Um, Or, you know, you can take, I don't know, three or four or five or six different uh, source materials and smash them all together and and just give us pretty pictures that you've ripped directly from, let's just call them graphic novels or comic books. Just, just, just spitballing here. Just, just, and, and, you know, um, in, in March of late March of 2016, you can disappoint me even further than you already had a few years, a few years earlier with man of steel. Go to to therapy. uh, no, 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 no! Shut, mute him. No, mute this and, and no, no, you wanted it. You wanted it. Mute him. And, mute and, him. Go get help. BVS get comes out. Help, and you can just shit all over the source material. And, but as long as you give some people pretty pictures, they're like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest comic book movie ever." Well, see, here's I, I'm not okay, calling you right. Said that. Oh, uh, Travis movie. Jones! Look, look! He just posted again okay. about this. No Snyder human being stuff. said that. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Travis. Yeah, just just because I didn't like Star Wars, um, I didn't hold on to that nugget for fucking five years. <laughs> it will never die. And yeah, and, and they... but you should if you're gonna hold on to that fucking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chris. Look, like, get one the, help, Christopher. One of the first movies I physically saw in theaters was Batman. I've got a Batman tattoo on my arm, and I am not crying over your bullshit babyness. That's Batman 89 was a pretty good movie. Yeah. I'm talking about BBS. All I the mean, versions so, of Batman. I'm, There's I'm sorry, bat nipples out there. I, I am not crying. I, Joel Schumacher didn't make Batman 89. <laughs> Where's the damn mute button? <laughs> Paul, well, roll up, Christopher. <laughs> I, I think that what, what Chris is harping on here, though. Uh, crying, it, crying, it, yeah, crying, 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 <laughs> weeping, weeping openly. It does harken to the fact that, like, faithful adaptation matters. People who actually, like, I'm trying to think of all the stuff that's been adapted in recent years and the stuff that people praise and, and people get behind is almost always the stuff that is really faithfully adapted like i said the lord of the rings trilogy when watchmen director's cut well director's cut that's something that kills me about snyder's watchmen movie is like people are like i hated it and i'm like did you read the book and they're like yeah and i was like it was literally a page for page frame for frame through 95 percent of the movie and then he changed the ending and you hated that and it's like, I just don't get it because he, I don't think you could have, it's probably the most egregious, like I did nothing creatively with this until the very end example of just copying what you were adapting. Is that what you want, Chris? No, because <laughs> I think he hates that too. <laughs> oh, it seems like he just hates everything he wants, in the world. He wants it? Christopher Reeves head in a jar on an animatronic body that's, that's and then not- it'd be good. That's not it, because I mean, you, I mean, Paul, you—it's—it's it's the only thing that I've asked for. It's like a faithful adaptation. So you look at—we'll talk Stephen King again, right? So uh, Richard Richard Bachman, four seasons, a simple short story called *The Body*, gets made, it becomes *Stand by Me*. I, I will I will put that in the top three of all Stephen King movie adaptations I've ever seen in my life. 
mm-hmm. because they were faithful to the source material. They added because they needed to, but it was nothing that was outside the realm of what happens in a coming of age story, which is what that was. Mm-hmm. It was a faithful adaptation of the, to the source material. And it was amazing. What's your other two? My other two? Yeah. Mm. Uh, The the Langoliers, easily Mm. number one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Stephen King. I'm about to drive to Kansas to punch you right in the mouth. (laughs) Just have Dennis stop on his way through. (laughs) Tommy Knockers. (laughs) Stephen King. Tommy Knockers movie's really gone. Stephen King is the perfect example, though, of somebody who is like. He is regarded as one of the greatest authors of all time, like one of the most widely read and and respected authors, popular you know authors. And it is known that any film or television adaptation of his work is almost always just garbage. Like I don't think there's anybody out there that's been adapted more times and had people just be like, "Oh my god, it's such a shit show," and it's it's actually. A miraculous achievement and he's talked about it before i've read interviews where he's like i just don't get it i don't know how so many people can option my stuff and then just not get it the dark and- tower <laughs> oh my god the dark tower is the, one of the worst pile of shit movies i've ever seen in my life the dark tower was so bad that it got the tv series of the dark tower canceled <laughs> yeah it was it was terrible and yeah there, there's there's examples of that but it's i really do th- i want to you know harp on it i think authenticity matters loyalty to the source material matters i think you can i made the argument a little while ago that you can tell a different story and you can deviate but it, what's really important is having the heart of the cards no the the heart and soul of the characters one of the reasons why the walking dead show has worked when it's at its best is because kirkman is loosely involved and is like this is how you should approach this with this character because this this is what matters with this character uh and it's usually when they lose sight of that when that show gets the worst and you know that's arguably what happened with star wars both in the prequel and the sequel trilogy is it lost focus from what made the original trilogy so good and they they were trying to check all the boxes that they thought was why people loved those movies but they didn't understand what they really loved about them and so they checked different boxes that kind of made some people happy some people are over the moon but which is fine but i'm with you philip like i Philip actually changed my mind on the on Rise of Skywalker. I walked out of it. I was like, that was good. But I had this little inkling of doubt in the back of my head where I was like, was that good? I, I, I still say it was not as good as it could have been because of the one that followed. It's when you when you do the 180 in the middle of the last trilogy, you how do you follow that up? It's literally it's, the whose line is it anyways <laughs> of Star Wars. And you can thank the one person. You can thank the, one person for that. Yeah. Yeah, JJ right. Abrams. No, not JJ. Not JJ. Nope. Sorry. This is points um, you know, don't matter and no consequences for anybody. Actually, I will say Kathleen Kennedy. I will say, I will say that Sen Raven, like I ha- I almost completely agree with your list. Um, she says, Stand by me, Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption for Stephen King movies. I'm gonna pull Green Mile. And this is one of those weird ones because it's where you gotta talk director versus the, the right adaptation versus the book, right? Kubrick's shining. He while he deviated, he 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 picked up on the right things from the source material. 
and the franticness of that movie, I'm, I'm going to say, I, w- I would pull, I would pull Green Mile. I would say Stand by Me, Shining, and and Kubrick, er, and, and Shushing, uh, Send Raven. Okay. Uh, Dolph also said fucking Good Omens, perfect adaptation. Mm. But Good Omens is by the book a good uh, uh, yep. fucking mm-hmm. page by page, as but opposed to the other shit show american gods yeah but let's get the fuck out of here yeah <laughs> this Fair. is the most vegan episode we've ever done the book is better you didn't go three seconds without saying the book is you gotta tell me you don't eat meat too god damn guy are you you really gonna rile up our mod like what's the humble hit man no she's a good vegan she didn't tell me she's a vegan until i actually asked because i care but you, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all went every five minutes. The back was better. I'm like, Jesus she, Christ. Where's the she, just told you, she just told you to watch it. She's uh, sharpening You watch it. You watch no, it. No, no, you watch it. She this is America. Because she's I built vegan. an invisible wall of COVID you can't get through. Oh, what the hell? She will cut you because she's Vega? Yeah, because v- she's <laughs> Vega. <laughs> Please let me leave. Oh, what's the humble hit? What's the humble hit? The humble hit is uh, the last one I'm going to call out here is this just dropped today. It is a Kodansha manga bundle. So if you have ever wanted to get into the world of manga and read Japanese comic books, they are quite different than American slash Western comic books. So it's quite an experience. Uh, This is maybe a good starting point for you. Uh, The dollar tier has Space Brothers volumes one through five, uh, the Love Hina Omnibus and Beck volumes one through five. The thing that caught my eye about this bundle, I'm probably not going to grab this bundle uh, just because, but there is one thing in here I can speak to that is quite good. And that is the $8 tier has Parasite volumes one and two i've watched the anime for parasite and i really dug it it was did you say beck volume one through five yeah yeah all right charles i know what i'm getting you no loser through devil's haircut no and and it does it does (laughs) it does appear to be about a kid in a band so oh delay (laughs) i got you charles (laughs) where it's at uh yeah but parasite is really neat and uh that's that's all i can really speak to uh if you do the 15 dollar tier you get more parasite and if you do the 20 dollar tier you get a whole bunch of comic books so uh yeah if you want to check out japanese manga of course do your research like this is something that we can't really speak to at length because none of us are like dedicated manga readers so you know just go look it up go see what the weebs out there say but (laughs) chuck you not a manga man I look no. at you and I see you kind of like a MAGA man going out there. It's up there with Reddit. I, just don't, I know enough to be scared me, me of it. Manga. Me manga. You, you I got... feel like you would have a manga hat. You I've know? read this soccer one. Back <laughs> you got to read left to right. Understand. Me manga. You got to read left to right. You know, you don't yeah. wear face masks. You just go to Walmart screaming manga at everybody. Basically. It seems yeah, like yeah. And, and you shake your rattlesnake at them. Oh. Uh. But yeah, check that out. Uh, and once again, if you use our link, you support the show. So there you go. Oh, God. Is it over? Is it over? I think it's, it's, over. it's over. Phil, you wanted to plug something. Don't let it be me. God damn. Oh, God. No, we're done night. that. I'm over you, dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow me over at uh, twitch.tv slash Nook's Tavern, where we are doing Animal Crossing podcast live in studio in game. And we just launched the Patreon over at uh, patreon.com slash Nooks Tavern, uh, where we have levels where you could be in studio 
in game as we record the episode live. So check that out over at twitch.tv slash Nook's Tavern, or if you want to support the show over at patreon.com slash Nook's Tavern. Does anybody else want to shamelessly pimp their moneymakers? Uh, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. <laughs> I have been streaming Animal Crossing a crazy amount with Nicole. Uh, we will probably be back tomorrow. I got a new villager both yesterday and today, though uh, the one I got from my campsite today is really just a temporary holdover to kick one of my starters. Uh, I picked up Cherry, the uh, rock and roll goth puppy. So she's uh, going to be fully moved in tomorrow. That should be exciting. I do intend to stream tomorrow morning, so please come hang out. Check that out. Uh, shout out to you know everybody who shows up every time we stream. You guys are awesome. We love hanging out with you. Uh, we also have Crash Test Pilots. Our new episode should go up before the weekend. It, we covered Sensei, and Nicole hated it, and I totally understood why, even though I like that show. So that'll be fun. And we have one episode left in this second season, and then we're going to do a fun little mini in-between season like we did last time where we're going to follow a theme so please check that out crash test pilots we would appreciate it and i've got something in the tank a solo show that i'm working on myself so stay tuned for that as well chris is working on a, a podcast of the manchurian candidate where he's just documenting his time in the guard uh, <laughs> yeah he's working on doing 89 days of deployment service yeah. but not hitting 90 i got shit so we're going to get out of here. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We do this. We record it live on twitch.tv slash GSU Media, 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights. And we release it in four awesome podcasts throughout the week in between recording sessions. Uh, breaking the panel on all your podcasts everywhere. We'll be back next week with some more shenanigans. If you want to get in touch with Breaking the Panel, you'll find Charles at Rock God of Pod. Phil is at Imaginary Nomad. Chris is at In All Things Wisdom. And Paul can be found at SoapboxGSTU. If you love the show and just want to support what we do, hit us up at Patreon.com slash Breaking the Panel, and you'll help us make this thing each and every week. If you want to watch the show live every week, go to Twitch.tv slash GSTU and follow us to know when we're recording. And if you're looking for more kick-ass shows like this one, just go to gstu.net.